This Cap Times podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Learn more at exactsciences.com. Welcome to the Mad Splainers, a podcast from the Capital Times that makes sense of local issues. I'm reporter and podcast producer Natalie Yar. And I'm city and county government reporter Abby Becker. Today we're here with Cap Times K-12 education reporter Scott Gerard to get the lowdown on two major Madison schools referenda on the November ballot. Scott, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you on the Mad Splainers, Scott. So on the November 3rd ballot, voters will see or have already seen for those that voted early, two questions asking them about funding for schools. First, can you just break down for our listeners why these sorts of questions end up on our ballots in the first place? Gladly. So on the capital referendum side, districts need permission from voters to issue large amounts of debt. So that one's pretty basic. And to uh, renovate the high schools and build a new elementary school, they would be taking on uh, quite a bit of debt. On the operational question, Districts around Wisconsin have increasingly been asking their voters for more spending authority in recent years, as the Wisconsin Policy Forum has highlighted in some recent reports. It boils down to the state's school financing rules, in which the state sets what's called a revenue limit uh, for districts based on a three-year rolling average of enrollment, and that limits their total revenue. Districts can reach that limit through a combination of state aid and local property taxes, but can't exceed it without going to referendum. That leaves some districts feeling financially strapped uh, amid changes to state funding over the last decade, many of which came about along with increased flexibility in negotiations with teachers unions following Act 10. Many districts and their leaders uh, have argued in recent years that education is underfunded and that it is exacerbated year after year. Uh, And so uh, that leads to them asking local property taxpayers to foot extra bills locally. All right. So what's the ask in the two ballot questions this time around? So total, there's a $350 million ask split between the two questions. The first one is a $317 million capital referendum that would allow borrowing capacity for capital projects that include a planned $70 million uh, renovation at each of the four comprehensive high schools, uh, as well as construction of a new elementary school on the south side consolidating Capitol High School, which has two locations right now, into a single building. Uh, And then they added a couple million on for sustainability projects that would be a bit more district-wide. Got it. Okay, so this one is about building stuff and renovating stuff. Exactly. I reported last summer on the fact that most of Madison's schools, like most schools outside of the southern U.S., are largely unair conditioned. Would this referendum change that? Largely, no. Uh, It would likely add building-wide AC at a couple of the high schools and upgrade certain mechanical and other systems, including windows, that sort of thing, uh, that would make the high schools much more efficient. But it wouldn't really touch existing schools at lower levels. This is really high school's focus. So, Got it. Okay. So that's the first question. What's the second question that voters are being asked to decide? 
So the other question uh, is for $33 million uh, that would help fund operational expenses, and that money would be phased in over four years. So uh, each year, the district would get to add a certain amount of money above its revenue limit to allow it to spend more, and, and the board can always choose not to budget to its full revenue limit as well. So it could you know, take away some of that burden on local property taxpayers. It, it has that choice each budget cycle. And so each year there will be additional authority over the next four years. And then by the end of that four years, it will have added $33 million above that revenue limit. And that will continue in perpetuity. And what does the district plan to do if it gets that extra funding for operations? So there are some specific projects laid out in year one. And those are laid out through one of the versions of the budget the school board approved Monday night. But for the rest of the four years and beyond that, it would be up to the board at that time uh, with each year's budget cycle to determine what they wanted to use that extra funding for. Uh, but some administrators have offered some suggestions uh, about what they could request or include in the district's budget proposal in future years. So in year one, a couple examples are uh, the Black Excellence Initiative, which would receive an extra $100,000 of this year's referendum money. And then the district would be able to do a one-year phase-in of its adoption of a new literacy materials and curriculum as a couple examples for this year. If the referendum were to fail, then that adoption for the literacy programming would take two years. Uh, so it sort of you know cuts that process in half. Uh, longer term, a program like the STEM Academy, uh, which houses a couple hundred students at Madison College for their junior and senior years of high school, and if they earn enough credits, allows them to graduate from high school with an associate's degree in addition to their high school diploma, that is running out of its initial grant funding. And so the extra revenue from a referendum could help replace that grant funding. Uh, another example that's similar to that is the Behavioral Health in Schools program which provides access to mental health professionals inside schools for some high-need students who otherwise might not have access to those services outside of school. And so again, that uh, program has some grants and uh, that funding is scheduled to decrease uh, over the next year or two. And so extra operating budget flexibility could allow them to continue it. How much in property taxes would an average homeowner in Madison see if the referenda are approved? Yeah, so it's it's a little complicated to break out, and, and the district has done some work to sort of vary uh, when certain payouts will come. So, for example, with debt, uh, the district can choose when to pay off that debt and can sort of um, – it, it, it can help balance its budget or keep its mill rate more constant by adding or lowering the amount of debt it's paying off in a given year to keep that mill rate going. But uh, according to the district's numbers, the average homeowner on average – would see a $140 per year increase with the debt paid off over 22 years for the capital part of the referendum. Well, the operational referendum would average about $80 per year of an incremental increase over four years for, again, the average homeowner in Madison whose property is valued uh, a little over $300,000. And have we seen other referenda like this? Like, you know, how often are Madison residents asked to make these kinds of choices and then to, you know, kind of bear the, the results on their property taxes each year? So MMSD last went to referendum in 2016. 
the question that year was, again, a four-year operational referendum for $26 million phased in over four years. So that one was phased in with $5 million, $5 million, and then $8 million, $8 million. So that extra operational authority that was being added annually ran out with the 2019-20 school year. And so while they still have that $26 million on top of it, they're not getting sort of a, a new extra bonus this year. It's just the $26 million they've been phasing in. So uh, that, that was the last time there was an operational referendum. The year before that, in 2015, the district had a $41 million capital referendum. Uh, and both of those were pretty overwhelmingly successful. This podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences. Join the Madison-based team working to lead earlier cancer detection. Visit exactsciences.com to view the company's hundreds of open jobs. So these referenda have been in the works for a while, and then they were approved for the ballot in July. How has the pandemic changed things? The only real change was how much time there was between the questions being approved for the ballot and the election itself. Uh, So the amounts and what's included in them are the same as they were in March, just as the pandemic was reaching Wisconsin. Uh, And that's when the board had initially planned to approve them for the ballot. So while they at that point wanted to take a few more months to evaluate, see if they were asking for the right amount, see if it was the right time, uh, the board decided unanimously in July that it was for the right amount and it was for the right time. What are arguments for passing the referenda and who's come out in favor of them? Yeah, so as I mentioned, all seven school board members voted in favor of putting them on the ballot, and a few have actually written editorials since, uh, supporting it in recent weeks in various publications. Um, editorial boards for both the Cap Times and the Wisconsin State Journal wrote in favor of it. Uh, former state Senate candidate uh, Nada Elmakashvi supported it in her column at Isthmus. So those are a few examples. There's also a coordinated Yes to Invest campaign. Uh, you've probably seen signs around Madison. They've been putting out yards signs and uh, writing supportive letters, things like that, uh, advocating for it. Those in favor have focused on the need for equity, the challenges with the opportunity gap in Madison that we've had for as long as anyone can remember and and are still ongoing, uh, and the programming that could be funded with uh, the flexibility. There's also the point made that In the suburbs here, notably Verona, Sun Prairie, they're building large new high schools uh, that are really shiny and beautiful and big. And Madison has high schools that are decades old, um, a lot of decades old. And so uh, to compete with the suburbs and because state funding is based on enrollment, it it is a competition. They need to upgrade these buildings for for the students. So those have been a couple uh, of the arguments in favor. And what kind of opposition have we seen? And what's the opposition saying? Yeah, so there hasn't been a huge single coordinated movement of opposition, but a group of some black community leaders uh, did come out against it in an article in the State Journal. And basically their point was the district has failed black children and shouldn't be given more money. Uh, They wanted more detail and more accountability for how that money would be used to to help black children and close that opportunity gap. There's additional opposition in some more conservative circles. Uh, David Blaska, former school board candidate, uh, wrote in opposition to it. Uh, one of the major concerns is 
the general concerns about Madison's housing affordability problem and how property tax growth plays a role in that. Obviously, that problem has many more factors than just property taxes, uh, but it's certainly a point that I think some people have made. And then additionally, uh, you have critics like Blaska pointing out again that the district hasn't closed the opportunity gap to this point, and so why give them more money? So November 3rd is getting quite close here. What happens if voters do not approve the measures? Yeah, so on Monday, the school board approved two versions of its budget. It's legally required to approve its budget for the school year before the end of October. And so with the election not until the beginning of November, that meant they had to approve two versions of the budget, one with the operations referendum funding and one without that $6 million for this school year. So uh, as I mentioned earlier, the Black Excellence Initiative would have 100000 less dollars to work with. The literacy curriculum adoption would be a two-year process instead of a single-year process. And then there's some other programming that would be included if the referendum were successful that is not in the budget if it fails. Uh, on the capital side, I am guessing the the district would go back to the drawing board and potentially draw up a future question at a different amount as it reevaluated because I think the the district's leaders feel pretty strongly about the need to renovate these buildings and build a new elementary school on the south side. All right, so what are you going to be watching for on election day next week? Yeah, so looking at those two referenda that the district uh, had most recently in 2016 and 2015, they passed with pretty overwhelming numbers. In 2016, it was 108,343 yes votes to 37,612 no votes. And then in 2015, it was 45,765 yes votes to 9,924 no votes. So I would be pretty surprised if either of these questions failed, given those numbers. Uh, That said, I will be very interested in if the margins have changed uh, and how they have changed if they have. Uh, Additionally, I will just be interested in looking at turnout. I think there's a reason the district put these questions on the fall ballot in a presidential year. Uh, In those numbers I just mentioned, you can certainly hear the difference. You know, there were 145,000 votes in fall 2016. Well, there were 55,000 votes in spring 2015. And so that's a pretty huge difference as far as getting the pulse of what the community really thinks about these questions. And so regardless of whether it passes or not, it will be very interesting to see the margin by which it passes or fails. Absolutely. Scott, it's been wonderful to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I really always enjoy coming on to talk about schools, my favorite subject. And thanks to you, our listeners, for listening to The Mansplainers. Got a question about a local issue? That's what we love. You can email me at abecker at madison.com for a chance that your question could become a Madsplainers episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to The Madsplainers on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever else you do your listening. You can also check out our other podcasts, including The Corner Table, which is all about food and drinks in Madison, and Wedge Issues, all about state politics. We'll be back on Wednesday to tell you all about the next Cap Times cover story. See you then.
Probably shouldn't have said see ya because this is a podcast, so. This podcast has been brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Once again, be sure to learn more at exactsciences.com.